Good morning, I'm Wimala, and today is a bright and sunny Sunday, uh, February 20th. So I hope you have a sunny day wherever you are, or you have a calm night. We're supposed to have a windy day. I just wanted to show you, remind you, my squirrel mug that Cindy and Bruce sent me at the beginning of the pandemic because I was so enamored of the squirrels, which I still am. I haven't gotten over just delight in watching the squirrels. And that was one of the gifts of the pandemic. My mom always used to worry that I was going to be uh, spending too much money feeding the squirrels. <laughs> she, was, she was thinking of me. <laughs> So let me just pull this a tiny bit closer. So it's good to see everybody. Hi, Patty. And uh, I want to read some and then we'll sit together. I want to read more from Heartwood of the Bodhi Tree by Buddha Dasa Bhikkhu, who was a Thai monk who was one of their cultural um, heroes, I think. But he was a, he's, he's a wonderful teacher. And if you go on the website, Suan Mok, S-U-A-N-M-O-K-K-H dot org, you can get all of his books and lots of other articles that have been translated and are in PDF form. So you can have access, access to them. I feel excited coming back to his readings. I read uh, some of his books several years ago and just was enthralled with him. And uh, have had other, other readings and other directions and it's good to get back to him. So this is chapter four and we've been reading about sunyata, which is voidness, which is actually what we talk about as the concept of uh, no, no self is the closest thing to it. And we don't usually, um, the no self is that there's nothing that we need to cling to that we think of as like who I really am in this physical body. Um, so this is his teaching on that. And it, to him, it's the m most fundamental uh, teaching of the Buddha out of the, all the leaves that the Buddha gathered and said, which is more valuable, the leaf, or which, where, is there, where are there more? Like in my handful of leaves I just grabbed up from the ground or in all the bushes and trees in the forest? And the monks said, well, you know, the, the, there's a lot more leaves everywhere. That's just a handful of leaves. And the Buddha said, well, this, these are the teachings that, that I need to teach you because they are the most important ones. There are all these other uh, lessons that can be learned, but in my lifetime, this is what I want to teach you. And so these are the teachings that are included in that fistful of leaves. So, sunyata is voidness. And that is what he's calling the heartwood of the Bodhi tree. So the heartwood is the 
the essence of the tree. It's the core, the, the hardwood of the, uh, it's heartwood of the Bodhi tree, but it's also that the, the center of the tree. It's like the core of the tree. Chapter four is all teachings, all practices. Sunyata, voidness, is the most difficult to understand of all the Buddhist teachings because it is the innermost heart of Buddhism. Whatever is called the heart must be something subtle and profound. True understanding of it does not lie within the scope of mere conjecture or the sort of ordinary pondering to which people are accustomed. It can only be understood by determined study. I like that expression, determined study. In Buddhism, the essential meaning of the word study is the unceasing dedicated observation and investigation of whatever arises in the mind, be it pleasant or unpleasant. Only those familiar with the observation of mind can really understand Dhamma. Those who merely read books cannot understand, and what's more may even go astray. But those who try to observe the things going on in the mind and always take that which is true in their minds as their standard never get muddled. They are able to comprehend dukkha, which we know we often call suffering, and ultimately will understand Dhamma. Then they will understand the books they read. So he's being very clear that we have to understand the Dhamma first. And the reading is then comes after that. But we need to understand the Dhamma from our from our own. Uh, from what's going on in our minds and that which is true. When we say that someone has a lot of spiritual experience, we mean that they are always observing the things happening in the mind. From the moment of birth to the time of death, we must train ourselves in this way. We must examine the contact of the mind with the objects that surround it and the nature of the results of that contact. Inevitably, in this natural process, there will be both pleasure and pain. Observing them will make the mind wiser and more resilient. To keep observing the nature of our thoughts generates a mind emptied of dukkha, which is the very best knowledge there is. Through it, we gain familiarity with the experience, understanding, and realization of sunyata. So, I want to read that sentence again. To keep observing the nature of our thoughts generates a mind emptied of dukkha, of suffering. So, which is the very best knowledge there is. To keep observing the nature of our thoughts generates a mind emptied of dukkha. We have spoken of the spiritual disease from which we all suffer, and we have described its germ as the feeling of I and mine, the germ of the disease. This disease is an illness affecting mindfulness and wisdom, 
Wisdom is satipatthana, or mindfulness and wisdom. Together, satipatthana. That which is able to know our life and the world as they truly are. So spiritual disease refers to ignorance, avijja, or the wrong understanding that streams from ignorance, and it causes the wrong actions that lead to dukkha, to suffering, even if physically and mentally we are quite healthy. When we are suffering from spiritual disease, with what must we treat it? We must treat it with sunyata, that's voidness. Sunyata is not only the cure of the disease, it is also the freedom from disease. There is nothing beyond voidness. The medicine that cures the disease is the knowledge and practice that gives birth to sunyata. When voidness has appeared, it will be the cure of the disease. After recovery from the disease, there will be nothing save sunyata, the state void of dukkha and void of the mental defilements that are the causes of dukkha. We've talked a lot about mental defilements. This voidness, with its wide breadth of meaning, is self-existence, is self-existent. Nothing can touch it, concoct it, improve it, or do anything to it. Thus, voidness is the eternal state, for it knows neither birth nor death. Its being is not the same as the being of things that are born and die. So we say that voidness has being characterized by immutable sunyata, because we have no other word to use. If anyone's mind realizes this thing, then this realization will be the medicine that cures the disease and leads to the immediate recovery from the disease, a state timelessly void, <clears throat> which is true health. So, Let's keep reading to get a little further before we have to stop. Please keep trying to, to grasp the meaning of this word voidness, or sunyata, as we consider it from every angle. First, consider the fact that the Buddha declared that every word that he, the Tathagata, and Tathagata is another name uh, for the Buddha, First, consider the fact that the Buddha declared that every word that he, the Tathagata, spoke referred to the subject of sunyata. He spoke of no other matter, either directly or indirectly. Any talk unconnected with the subject of voidness is not the speech of the Tathagata, but of disciples of later times who, who like to speak at great length to show how clever and articulate they were. As for the Tathagata's words, they are short, spare, and straight to the point. Sunyata, the essence of his teaching, is being void of dukkha and the defilements, which in Pali is kilesa, which are the causes of dukkha. One can, if one wants, describe sunyata in many ways, being void of self, 
or void of having anything as self or as belonging to self. The word voidness has a whole host of applications. Although the characteristic of voidness remains constant, its expressions are innumerable. That being so, we aim to examine voidness only as absence of dukkha and the defilements that cause dukkha. And as the absence of the feeling that there is a self or that there are things which are the possessions of a self. This is voidness as it relates this is voidness as it relates to our practice of Dhamma. So, let me read half of this paragraph again because it's really, we're really getting into specifically what sunyata is. Although the characteristic of voidness remains constant, its expressions are numerous, innumerable. Its expressions are innumerable. That being so, we aim to examine voidness only as absence of suffering, of dukkha, and the defilements that cause dukkha, and as the absence of the feeling that there is a self or that there are things which are the possessions of a self. This is voidness as it relates to our practice of Dhamma. If we ask which of the Buddha's statements concerning this matter can be taken as authoritative, we will find that in many places the Buddha taught us to know how to look on the world as being void. For example, there is the phrase, Sunato lokam awekasu moka raja sada sato. Essentially, this means you should look on the world as being void. When you are always mindful of the sunyata of the world, death will not find you. The meaning also can be taken as, when anyone sees the world as being void, they will be above the powers of dukkha, the chief of which is dead, death. These words of the Buddha enjoining us to see the world as being void show that sunyata is the highest thing. Anyone who wants to be without problems concerning dukkha or suffering and death should look on all things as they truly are, as being void of eye and mind. Two more quotes show the benefits of avoidance. Nibbana is the supreme voidance. Nibbana is the supreme happiness. You must understand that Nibbana, the remainderless quenching of dukkha, has the same meaning as supreme voidness. Thus, we should understand that it is possible to know and realize avoidance that is not supreme, avoidance that is in some way imperfect, incomplete, or not fully correct, that is not yet supreme voidness. So, 
we can we can feel uh, parts of it and pieces of it before we become complete be, become uh, be have have achieved nibbana. For us to realize supreme voidness, we must penetrate with mindfulness and wisdom so impeccably clear that there is not the slightest feeling of self or belonging to self. To say that the supreme voidance is Nibbana or is identical to Nibbana means that sunyata is the final quenching of all things that are blazing in flames. Sunyata is the supreme quenching of all things that are spinning and changing in streams and whirlpools. Thus the supreme voidance and the supreme quenching are one and the same. You remember the Buddha said that the world is on fire. We are on fire. So the supreme voidness is Nibbana or is identical to Nibbana, means that sunyata is the final quenching of all things that are blazing in flames. Sunyata is the supreme quenching of all things that are spinning and changing in streams and whirlpools. Thus the supreme voidness and the supreme quenching are one and the same. As for the saying that Nibbana is the supreme happiness, This is an expression in the language of relative truth, a sort of enticing propaganda in the language of ordinary people, used because people are generally infatuated with happiness and want nothing else. So it is necessary to say that Nibbana is happiness, and what's more, that it's the best happiness. Truly speaking, Nibbana is better than happiness, is beyond happiness because it is void. We shouldn't speak of it as either happiness or suffering because it lies beyond both the suffering and the happiness commonly known by us. Yet when we speak like this, people don't understand. So we must say instead, in the conventional language of the worldly, that it is ultimate happiness. This being so, when using the word happiness, we must be careful to use it properly. It is not the happiness that people generally can see or aspire to. It is a different sort of happiness, a completely new meaning of happiness. The state void of every single thing that concocts, proliferates, flows, spins, and changes. Thus, it is truly lovely, truly refreshing, and truly desirable. For if there is still flux and change, constant swaying and rocking, how can there be happiness? The feelings of sensual pleasure that arise from contact with the various sense objects are illusory. They are not ultimate happiness. Common happiness is not the supreme happiness of Nibbana, which is voidness. So in hearing the phrase, Nibbana is the supreme happiness, don't jump to the conclusion that Nibbana is exactly what you've been looking for all along and start dreaming about it 
with taking into consideration that it is a supreme voidness. Now the next section in this chapter is called Nothing Whatsoever Should Be Clung To as I or Mine. So that's that's one that, that we really want to pay attention to. So that's still part of chapter four. And these are short chapters, so he will go on to explain this so we can understand it. So why don't we sit? I think we have uh, a little time. We have about eight minutes. We can take about ten minutes or so. Sit comfortably and feel your spine lifting up. Roll your shoulders back. Close your eyes if you can. Just pay attention to the natural breath of your body. See if you can relax, relax into your breath. And let your mind be free of uh, thinking about the chapter. It can be, this information can be confusing until we get a little deeper into his explanations. So I want you just to be focused on your natural breath. And be aware of where where in your body you feel your breathing. To understand this concept of sunyata or voidness or no self, we need to be very mindful of the world around us, of the world of nature and the world of people. So we can just begin by being present in the body.
Let your sense doors be open. We're closing our eyes just to cut a little of that movement, that distraction. So be aware of your thoughts. Be aware of the sounds you hear. Be aware of the physical contact on your skin. Be aware of the taste in your mouth and anything you smell, a fragrance or an an unpleasing, displeasing odor. Just be aware. Don't get caught up in the stories that we start to create. That's part of that uh, becoming I and mine. But just be aware that there are thoughts arising. We don't have to focus in on them. But when we think of the mind as a sense organ, then those thoughts or products, it's just like listening to sound. We don't want to get sidetracked by the sounds we hear. We don't need to get sidetracked by all of our thoughts. You can always use counting. Each breath, inhale is one, exhale is one. So each full breath in and out will be a count and count up either to five or to 10 breaths before you start over. But if you become distracted or lose count or forget to count, then you know, start over right there because you've, you've found that point where you've become distracted. And that's how we discover more about our mind. So that's not a bad thing. But then we come back and start again at one. Those thoughts are almost always connecting I or mine with whatever we're experiencing.
Find the peace of just being with your breath. The body is breathing. I think our time is up. It's been lovely being with you this morning. I was ready to just keep sitting, then I remembered. <laughs> we can't we can't stay here all day. So thank you so much for joining me and may everything we do and say and think today be done for our own benefits 
and also for the benefits of all sentient beings. And this practice will help us dissolve those imaginary boundaries we see between this body and the rest of the world. So thank you, everyone. May peace be with you.